Hi, and welcome to Not a Rocking Chair Librarian podcast. This is Zoe Midler, Digital Literacy Specialist for the Boulder Valley School District. This is episode 20, Ding Ka-Ching, Patron Self-Service. I'm taking a small break from our dynamic duo series to focus on some of the work that's being done around our district. And this particular episode will focus on self-service activities at the library level. I recently sat down with a group of BVSD teacher librarians, including Erica Arias from Ryan Elementary, Lizzie Carmichael from Emerald Elementary, Regina Hoskins from Southern Hills Middle School, and Maura Rhodes from Fairview High School to chat about why they decided to implement self-service activities, including self-checkout, check-in, placing holds, um, building genreified collections, etc., and the benefits of the self-service to patrons and to the teacher librarian. A lively, candid, and informative conversation ensued, but isn't that always the outcome when you bring together teacher librarians and give them opportunity to learn and share from one another? Remember, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at ZMidler, Z-M-I-D-L-E-R. Up next, Erica, Lizzie, Regina, and Maura. Hi, I'm Mara Rose of Fairview High School. have a population around 2,200. I'm Regina Hoskins, and I'm the teacher librarian at Southern Hills Middle School, serving 6th through 8th grade, and we have an enrollment of 560. I'm Erica Arias. I'm the teacher librarian at Ryan Elementary STEAM School. Our library program serves preschool through 5th graders, and we have about 520 students. I'm Lizzie Carmichael. I'm the teacher librarian at Emerald Elementary, and we have around 400 students, a little over. Great. Thanks, everybody. Um, I want to jump in and start talking about self-service for patrons. So I thought maybe we could just start off by talking about the self-service programs or maybe programs too highfalutin a word, but the level of self-service you provide to your patrons. Um, so Lizzie, what do you offer right now? We have student uh, self-checkouts from first to fifth grade, and we've also genrefied our fiction collection as part of our self-service offerings. And are you, what is your schedule? Mixed, fixed? I am fixed for kindergarten once a week with each round, um, and everyone else is flex. Okay. Erica? Um, at Ryan, we do self-checkout for actually preschool through fifth grade. Um, I am going to be working at the end of May on genrefying the fiction section and forget what your last Are you mixed or fixed? We're a fixed flex schedule so teachers come to the library with the kids and what that allows me to do especially during this time of the year is push in and support um, larger research projects that our grade levels are doing. At Southern Hills we do self-checkout which we just started in October and kids are allowed to put things on hold on their own without waiting for me to do that and we have a flexible schedule. Okay. Um, Mara here at Fairview High School and we have a total flexible schedule and we are open from 7.30 to 4.30 so students come in um, anytime during those hours if they have the periods off or with a class we schedule classes in the open space and in our classroom within the library. We have, I started a year ago, well actually it's been over a year, um, when I had support staff cut, I wanted to um, make it more self-sufficient for the students. I genreified the fiction section and then created the self-checkout and self-check-in 
um, to help the students and help myself. I am very close to doing self-check-in Yeah. for third, fourth, and fifth graders. And I do that at Ryan, so I start to train in third grade how to check in, and then my fourth and fifth graders, because they can really come in at any time and check out as long as it's okay with their classroom teacher. Um, so it, it, it's once they know how to check out, check in is pretty mm-hmm. easy for them to pick up. So. And I found too that as I've moved to a more full pushing in, doing more push in teaching, um, they are coming to the library when I can't check in books for them. So I I really need them to. <laughs> Doing well, that. you are my good segue. Thank you. <laughs> um, I wanted you all to talk a little bit about what, what were the reasons to put self-service in place. Um, maybe talk about the benefits and have there been any cons. I'm really curious how maybe teachers reacted to it or maybe it's just always been that way. So, it, so um, Jean, why don't you start? Why, why did you decide? You did it not, you started in October. So I started why? with self-checkout in October and the main reason was I had um, I'm teaching a lot and I'm only one person and I have absolutely no support and I only have a couple of volunteers that are maybe one hour a week and I have an aide maybe once a day, student aide, um, and I just found, especially in the beginning of the year, I am swamped. I am booked many days every single period with barely a lunch and I have kids standing there while I'm working with classes waving books at me saying can I check out now and I would say this is not a good time and I hate to turn them away I think they should be able to be able to check out and get the books when they need them Um, and so that was the major push I also had an extra table and a couple of extra chrome boxes and a monitor or two that we could you know scramble to get and actually set up that was the easy part Um, and I have many kids that have come from elementaries that have done self-checkout so it was not something completely new to all of them. So there was an expectation on the part of some of them even. They were thrilled to see, uh, oh, we get to do this here too, kind of a thing. So that was, you know. <laughs> so yeah. you're training them to come That's right. Come to fair you're scaffolding <laughs> for high school. For yeah, yeah, so it wasn't, and I, I, honestly, I had a lot of teachers say, oh, that's great. And um, especially when we have a large space, our uh, square footage is about 5,000 for our library. We're super blessed, and we have multiple classes in there all the time. So I may be working with a class um, with let's say technology or research and then I've got another class in there who needs to check out books so I have trained multiple staff members how to do checkout or the kids are doing it on their own when I'm working with the other class when we have two three even up to five classes in there at a time Wow. so, so you've been doing it since October any yeah. cons anything that you know the only cons is it's just a, a learning curve I mean we do a lot of repetition which is not unheard of for anything with kids and so there's a lot of repetition even though there's a sign right by it with the three steps and I walked them all through it the first time Um, it's still getting used to I think in elementary school some of them search their last name where I'm having them put in their ID number because we have so many kids Mm with same last names or twins in the Mm -hmm. building and then we just they get them on the wrong account so we went with the ID number Mm -hmm. is what they put Mm -hmm. in and so that's been sort of a little bit of a lot of repetition with that and escape hitting escape to clear their screen so that the next person doesn't see everything that's from their account. Um, I've got teachers that come down on their plan, and if I'm working with a class, they'll check their own stuff out. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Okay. So, how about you, Erica? Um, I have actually done self-checkout 
for over 15 years, so since I became a librarian. My big thing was I started out in Montessori schools, mm -hmm. and I really wanted kids to have some ownership and independence in the library. Um, and I felt like, because like Regina, I never had a para or any kind of support staff, that sitting behind the desk, checking in books, I couldn't help them find the books that they needed, what they were looking for, talk with them about their interests. So really, I find that self-checkout, I'm, I'm never behind the desk. In fact, on work days when I'm sitting behind there cataloging, people are like, I never see you behind there. That's so <laughs> weird. Because I'm out and about in the library helping the kids um, find the books they need, talking with them about what they're interested in. A lot of them want books on hold, and so I just tell them to call me over when they're when they get up to the scanner to check out, and that's how we handle holds because I'm not brave enough yet to <laughs> turn that on in the catalog. Maybe next year I will be. I'll see. Mm -hmm. So, so any drawbacks? Any? Um, I. I mean, somebody's been doing it for 15 years. I, I think you'd probably gone through. This. I I don't really think so. I would say the biggest thing is to just be patient and be consistent. And you're going to need to adjust. Like if they do check out along with a lesson with them, you're going to need to adjust that lesson and do some shorter. So like with kindergarten at the beginning of the year, I read very short books. I'll read like one chapter of a Henry and Mudge book mm -hmm. so that we have more time to focus on um, the self-checkout and where to find books in the library and just build that, um, you know, little by little. And then by October, they kind of look at me and I said, you don't need me to stand there, like scan your card. And, you know, when we talk about that the card introduces yourself and then you scan your book and we do the ding and ka-ching. Um, <laughs> I like the ding and the ka-ching. Oh, oh, that's going to be the name of this podcast. And the kids really monitor each other. Yeah. I know Lauren Lattis got like a little keypad, almost like what they have in the cafeterias. Yeah. So they just type in their um, you do student ID yeah. number, I which I think... I'm kind of tempted to, to move towards with the older kids. Um, so I don't know, because I think that would help them with their passwords and sure. just all that stuff. So well, I think when I, I'm more at high school, Fairview, um, I think at first, because they didn't, they had never, you know, I, had done, I did it in elementary school um, and went through the whole training process. Mm -hmm. and. It had never been done there, and at the same time, I wanted them to take the gates down, the security oh, gates. Oh, that's right, you had security so gates. So it yeah. was kind of a all, all together kind of process. So I got teachers, oh, the kids are gonna walk off with all the books with the self-checkout and the gates gone, and I said, well, I don't feel happy about being in a school where the, the most secure thing are the books. Um, <laughs> Because there's no, you know, metal detectors up at the front entrance. So it was kind of educating. I, and then I, a couple of times I said, well, what if they, you know, what if they take the books? I said, well, then they really need that book. Mm -hmm. <laughs> because most of the time what I encountered when I first started there is that they would do it as a joke to put a book in somebody's backpack so that it would make the alarm mm. go off, beep, beep, beep. Now the kids would laugh and point at the person going out in the hall. So I thought, why do we have these gates? But So I was happy to get rid of the gates. And you know, a couple of the kids would approach like, what do I do, this is new. And I made a, pic a pictorial thing with the three steps, same thing. I tried to make it 
as easy as possible. And al almost all of them know their, I call it their lunch number, it's their student ID. But mm -hmm. this year, they all have to wear, the, they have to have their IDs on them to get into the building. Oh, yeah, the high school. Wow. So um, they just scan it with the barcode um, reader, and then they can, I tell them, you know, scan your card, scan the book. If you want to stamp it with the date, you can. And they don't even have to hit the escape. They can hit the escape. I do tell them to do that because um, it disappears after 30 seconds. You can set that to disappear. I've set mine to 15. Yeah. And I thought about 15, but, but yeah, but some of them, you know, they're no, they're See, it's hesitant. good you came today. That's right. Yeah. 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 I need to You're a newbie. You're learning. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, it's been um, super successful. I don't know if it's totally... Um, revolutionized you know that they're checking out more but I always tell them well you know how to run one of those self-checkouts at the grocery store and I'll laugh and say this is a lot easier than the self-checkout <laughs> and it won't say call the attendant you know yeah there's no like put your bag and it says it doesn't so I, I love it because I can be roving and yes I you know when you have you know 250 300 kids in a space most of the day, um, it it's hard to be everywhere, and um, they like um, ownership of checking out. And I find with high school kids, sometimes they don't want you to see what they're checking out, mm. and that's okay. I think that's cool. Whereas before, they'd have to come up and hand what they were checking out to, you know, the librarian or the pair that was at the desk. And even if they feel a little self-conscious about you know, it might be about relationships, sex, who knows, and they don't want, you know, that kind of, they mm -hmm. want to keep it private, kind sure. of like at the public library, so. And you don't need self-check-in, like, right? Yeah, they can check in they themselves. They can check in, okay. A lot of the kids That's like to do that, you know, switch between the check-in and check-out. Mm -hmm. um, some of them just drop it in the drop, or they'll check it in and then drop it in the thing, which is kind of cute, but yeah, <laughs> so. Why'd you do it? I heard it was a good idea, <laughs> <laughs> but, but honestly, I have a sort of a Montessori-ish background, and I loved that independence, and I also love that they're, like, the library is a place of freedom for them in so many ways, like, a lot of their day is dictated, and, and mm -hmm. I, it's like a respite, which it is for me, and so nurturing that aspect of our library culture fit with it. Um, at the time, I didn't have a lot of other teaching that I was doing in collaboration, so I had to just sort of have faith and build relationships that, like, that's really the reason why now is so that I have the freedom to collaborate and and teach. Um, but I also love that it gives them the freedom. And similar to the genrefying, that was a no-brainer for me. Our fiction section is like 3,000 books, and I just saw kids completely clueless trying to navigate and how could they ever find their next favorite book in when they were all just by author's last name so we've found that that is increasing circulation of books that hadn't been seen and in a while and and kids really starting to understand what genres they like and sort of a developing of their relationship with the literature that is really important, I think, to the self-sufficiency model. 
All right, so um, now I'm going to ask you some harder questions. <laughs> um, we've had conversations about self-service for patrons in our district, and there's a lot of different um, kind of philosophies around it. So I wanted to honor those other philosophies and stuff. So I'd ask you, like, you know, what do you say to people who say, well, you know, I'm really concerned that self-service means I don't get to have a relationship with the students. I don't see them. I don't get to talk to them. I don't... You know, I don't get an interaction with them. I'm not performing reader's advisory if I'm letting them pick, I'm just, you know, letting them check out their book and go to the self-checkout. Um, I'm concerned about appropriate content, you know. Are kids checking out things they wouldn't normally be able to check out? Or you would maybe advise, you know, in a different way or something. So I kind of wanted to, uh, and then there's just some people say it's just not the way it's done. It's just not their thing. So I wonder what you would say to those people about about those things or do you have anything to say <laughs> I, I quickly have a last year I had a second grade or third grade student take home um, I'm gonna forget the author's last name but it was like a scary book mm -hmm. without realizing that it was a scary book and there's a murder and the first page and she came back nearly in tears <laughs> Must be the graveyard book. And, and I was like, we need to genreify because then right now it just allows kids to to choose the books that they want rather than have there be as many just totally random accidents. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. one take. I would say that self checkout needs to fit your vision mm -hmm. and what what you and also what you feel comfortable with and. And maybe Regina, you can speak a little bit to this because you moved the whole school to to self checkout. Where you know, right now I have everybody doing it, so it's really just a new group of kindergartners, and then my preschool right. that that I see every other week. Like I'm there helping them. Right, like, it's become a part their, of your culture. Right. But your, it's, yeah, but it's a part of it, and I I would say I feel like I have more opportunities to do readers advisory with kids because I'm out and about. Yeah, and they're I'm I'm more I feel like I'm more accessible to them, mm -hmm. um, and they feel more comfortable coming up to me because I'm not sitting behind a a desk and there's not like a barrier in front of us we're free to have that face-to-face -face conversation and move together around the library and find stuff so I mean I wouldn't I think it has to feel right to you and and you need to baby step it and do it with what you're comfortable with with doing or taking on and, and I want to point out before we started the podcast we were having a conversation about the fact that you just recently posted to our we have a, a teacher librarian group in BBSD uh, an email group and you had just posted recently talking about reducing the size of your circulation yeah, desk I, I actually want to get rid of the circ desk I'm doing a design thinking unit with the fifth graders so we're redesigning a third of the library because we really don't have a lot of cozy reading spaces and just like mm -hmm. flex spaces that, that are really kid friendly um, and so I invited them in to do that. They're coming up with some great designs, but I told them um, our circ desk is 30 years old. It's ugly. It's huge. It takes up a ton of space. And really all I need is a, I need a check-in or like a return bin. I need a shelf for holds. And then I would love to have two checkout stations for the kids mm -hmm. so that I just feel like I could get classes through quicker um, it would be easier for them to, to do more self-checkout and mm -hmm. or self-check-in with younger grades. So I 
but I've been doing this for a long time, you know, doing the self-checkout model for a long time. So I personally am, don't, I don't need a Cirque desk. I'm, like I said, I'm, I'm really never back there. Mm-hmm. So there's not any point to having this huge piece of furniture taking up space. I'd rather have it be comfy seating for them. We have cushions in the library, so during checkout time, you know, it's great. You see social interactions mm-hmm. with kids across books, and they're like, look at my book. Look what I have. Oh, I didn't know that. And they start to have all these conversations around their books. So I want more spaces in our library where that can, can happen. Mm-hmm. So. I don't disagree with what Erica's saying about, I think it, it, it kind of depends on the person and kind of coming to it on your own, but I would add to that that I feel there's value in trying something even if it's something small like Erica had mentioned that Mm -hmm. you know just giving it a try and honestly I think part of my thinking is it's and I did this with the innovation when changes were happening in our building and especially in the library was it's it's not always about me and I need to think about what is best for the kids and I feel like it's doing a disservice to the kids at my level anyway at middle and high school I think to not teach them Mm-hmm. how to do some things on their own and that's They're kind competent. of the philosophy right. that I've taken with the overdues and emails and I'm working through that as well um, instead of always relying on the parents and relying on the teachers and mm-hmm. and I feel like they need to take some initiative and this is teaching them how to go out and do this in the real world with whatever they decide to do and many of them are doing it at public libraries already mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it's not that unusual and you know different for them and I feel like sometimes even though it may be uncomfortable for me, I put a lot of thought into it and process it and really set up what I think is a valuable process and tweak it and make it better. And if it doesn't work this way, I try and make changes Mm -hmm. to make sure that it's right and valuable for the kids because I feel like um, if we don't, we're not providing a well-rounded kind of education to get them out there and know how to do things on their own. I don't think you lose um, your importance to the students or staff or anybody in this space. Um, you're just, you're, you're not tied, like Erica said, you're not tied to that desk. You can move about. Um, once they kind of know the routine, I mean, sure, you know, sometimes even mine makes weird decisions or that you can see them, I'll look over and see them totally frustrated with the computer and I'll go over and help them or if I have a student aid. I'll have them, you know, they know how to fix it, if you want to call it. But a lot of them, you know, know how to do it themselves, too. And just, oh, just, oh, somebody closed out it all the way, you know. And so I think um, you don't lose your importance to the students um, just because you're giving up the checkout part. Um, I wanted to, the, the circulation de- desk at Fairview is like, 25 feet long called it the command center and it must have been like from the 90s they made these things gigantic mm-hmm. and yeah, you know I did you know at the time when I was getting rid of the gates and wanted to do the self-checkout and um, of course I asked my admins permission you know like hey is this a, you know I'm gonna do this I I kind of didn't ask permission I kind of just proposed it of I wanted to do I want to do this just wanted to run it by you kind of thing oh sure sure but um, one of them was I wanted to cut the circulation desk down, um, and I ran into these uh, electrical uh, conduit that came out of the concrete out of the bottom. But 
so I couldn't really cut it in half. So wait a minute, you got a sawzall and took it in half? Yeah. Oh man, I, there were times when I wanted to just just because it, it got in the way. It was so. I big. like my visual it's better like, of Mora with her sawzall <laughs> going at that desk, it's and then all of a sudden, wait, there's electrical right there. Yeah, no, no, you know, I had the electrician, and then yeah. one of the head custodians, you know, I, and they they'd kind of look at me like. What are you doing now? You know, <laughs> what do you, you want to cut half the desk off? It's like so. I had to only you know get rid of two feet, but it made like you know visually when you're there, it just made one of the corners. It used to be just this narrow little two foot two foot opening, and people the kids would come through, and you would, and it just so it's still not perfect. I still look at it and go. Oh. I want that thing gone, but and I envision like a little cafe area there with some high top tables or some comfy seating instead of the command center. You'll <laughs> so get there. Hopefully, hopefully <laughs> we'll. I don't know. We'll take it out someday. I hope, but yeah, I did. I did shorten it and made it better. <laughs> not yeah. not the way I want it, but yeah, better. So some things I heard you guys say. Um, it's a lot about um, having student ownership. And kind of mm-hmm. investing them in the space. Um, I hadn't thought about the privacy part of it. That was really interesting. You know, I, well, I hadn't I thought about that. To high schoolers, high schoolers, maybe yeah, some yeah, maybe middle schoolers, yeah, maybe some elementary. elementary yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's a really. Um, I guess on one hand, you want them to feel like they can come and talk to you about things too. Sure. But you know, there is this element of, um, yeah, I can. I can do this and it's kind of my thing and yeah I like that. I feel I like say. sometimes I do more reader advisory now because I'm usually out in the stacks or watching them browse and I can say oh do you want some help you know choosing the right book mm-hmm. or are you looking for a certain topic is it a, a research paper you're doing or you know I can instead of I think sometimes when you're at the big command center it's a little intimidating for them even high schoolers to come up and Oh, can you help me? You know, but if you're out there roving, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's like you're approachable to mm-hmm. them. I think there's so many opportunities to connect with kids rather than just being the one to check out the book for them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, granted, you have conversations with them about books that they're checking out or mm-hmm. returning, but there are so many, like Mara has said, being on the floor and being able to help them find a book and doing that you know kind of questionnaire well what have you read that you liked what was the last book that what genre do you enjoy Mm -hmm. how about these and let's talk about these new books and I mean I see kids return books and I always have the conversation you were just here did you return that because it was awful Mm -hmm. and you dumped it (laughs) or it was great and you zipped through it in one night Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like teaching classes is a huge Mm -hmm. opportunity to connect with kids and build relationships when you're helping them create things and you're doing mini lessons and then you're helping them one-on-one and answering questions and showing them how to cite sources and creating things with technology and I don't stay only in the library I have a sign that I put up and say I'm upstairs with the class come back next period (laughs) or use the self-checkout and Mm -hmm. be on your way yeah and so I think having that being fluid in that you're not just in the library all the time and being in other classrooms and you're not just behind that desk does like what Mara's saying is makes them feel more comfortable and they see you as another teacher and it's easy or it's 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 a way to build relationships well, without you're, always yeah. only just doing the scanning. And, and I don't, I mean, I, I know, I, d- I don't want to paint a picture that there are people who just stand behind their desk sure. all day, oh, but no. I do think that for some people that is a moment for them with mm-hmm. some students to get connected because, you know, when you have 300, 200 people in your library at one time like you do more at a high school level, I think, 
you know, even when you're doing roving reference, you're not going to touch everybody. But if I am back at that desk, those right. people are going to have to come by and talk to me at that point. It's a way to catch them, right? right. You know, so I, I do see that there's, you know, that there's some value in that. I don't, I don't picture them constantly sitting behind the command center. <laughs> um, so, um, privacy. We talked about empowerment. I think that was a, something I got out of you guys. Um, I, the freedom and respite. I like that idea too. Mm -hmm. That's pretty interesting. So they get to go down there and just. It's, you know, when I did self-checkout and the little guys came, it was like they had their driver's license. They were like, they were just so excited. And they felt so, I mean, they got to walk from their classroom to library unescorted with their pass, their, which was their library. And they were just like, it was just like a driver's license. I remember that. There was, there was a sense of freedom when they came down there and they did that. And that was a big shift in our school to go from a full class coming at once to sending small groups it's allowed teachers to sort of shift their planning with the class it sort of gives them more time and then last year I found that a lot of kids came with a timer so a group would come with a timer set for 10 minutes or whatever and they'd all sort of rally and pay attention to each other to make sure they they made it on time and this year no one's using timers the kids just sort of get their time frame and I, I noticed someone's hanging out a little longer I'll kind of yeah. check in with them and a little reminder. give them a little reminder <laughs> but again there is a lot of that, relationship yeah. building that happens because they're coming in smaller groups too it's part of the benefit of of how we're doing self-checkout it's, it's a lot of small groups well and I, I think that's also different too everybody does it differently so there will be whole classes that come down but I know I did like you did I had so first grade would send, there were four teachers in first grade and they would send, you know, during between eight in the morning and 11, they'd send yeah. four or three at a time or five at a time. So yeah. I always had like this little ebb and flow kind of going, but it wasn't yeah. super overwhelming and it wasn't overwhelming for them either. And, it, and when there are fewer kids coming at once, it, it sort of diffuses the social mm -hmm. dynamic that happens when, you know, like if we'd <laughs> missed a day of school then there are 35th graders all checking out at once. Like, that's a party. <laughs> Whereas when it's five of them, it's, it's yeah. they're really there for to, like, like look check at the books. Out. Yeah. yeah. And I also like the prep for the real world. Because I, maybe I'm paraphrasing you wrong, but, Regina, you said, like, this is what they do. I mean, they're going to go to the public library and do this. They're going to go to the grocery store and do this. Yeah. You know. And I just feel like at the secondary level, I mean, I get you have to do a lot more repetition and helping at the elementary. But by this level, like, the... I've been starting to do the, we're working through classrooms with the email, checking email and getting your overdue notices that way instead mm -hmm. of always relying on the parent. And then we wait till the end of the year and kids are in tears because they don't get their yearbooks. And like, you've been given this like once a month for right. the last six months kind of a thing. <laughs> and, you know. Well, and also having the ability for you to scaffold it and remind them because you know we do hear I mean I don't want to get off into another podcast topic but you know <laughs> student people uh, how do I say this right um, without appearing old um, <laughs> I'm an email junkie but yeah. this generation is not well they do when it's their personal email and we've been talking as a building because mm -hmm. we're going one to web that oh. they don't check their school email but as they often oh but they will check their personal they will check personal so mm -hmm. like I had a kid in about a week ago he was emailing a teacher and had 618 unread emails. Wow. <laughs> and I said, well, in his school account. Yes. Wow. And I said, well, you're emailing your Spanish teacher. What if she has 600 unread? He goes, well, I'm going to tell her that I emailed her and tell her to look for it. <laughs> <laughs> so we're starting with going one to web. We're working on our digital citizenship, and we have 
started to, I'm going into the classrooms this week actually to start working with kids on how to check your emails, how to use their spam folder to mark things that they don't need to be yeah. getting, how to add a signature because our kids will send an email to their teachers when they want to know about missing work yeah. and they f frequently don't sign it or don't even <laughs> say with a, you know, hello, Mr. So-and-so. Yeah. It's just, what, what's going on with this grade? Or I thought I gave you that. Well, and, like within the context of 560 kids, what are we talking about? You know, so we're working on email etiquette is yeah. sort of our focus right now with some classrooms. One of my favorite was, yo, I was out sick. What do I owe you? <laughs> it's like, that was the best thing. Yeah. It's like, it's time for an email etiquette yeah. session with you guys. So we're yeah. working on that, but again, Insignia is tough on that because when I set up the emails, and I just did that, I think, in December, so it's relatively new as well to go to the kids instead of the parents. Um, it only goes by if I check out a book today, 30 days from now, if mine's overdue, I get the notice. If Erica checked out a book a week you ago, it's 30 days from. So, yeah, I think but that's I have, the thing that people need to understand. So what I used is, to do is do overdues once a month. Yeah. On the first, of a, the first school day of a new month, I have a reminder, run overdues. And now I can't have Insignia do it once a month because it's not the same day. It's dependent on when the kid checks the book out. Mm. Mm. So 10 different kids get 10 different notices, but not all on the same day at the first of the month. You but see you, what I'm saying? But you so can... there's little glitches and things that we're trying to work through, but I think just getting, getting a hold of their email and sort of cleaning things out so that they know what they have and what they don't. Because there's even... You know, kids who don't realize, oh, my teacher so, emailed me about such and such, and it was sitting there for a week, and I didn't even check. So this is a podcast, and nobody can see us, but all of us sitting at the table are staring at Ray Sakura, who's sitting at the table with us, who did not introduce herself. She is the technical services librarian, <laughs> and she's the one that works with our library management system, so we're, we're all staring and talking. <laughs> and I think this is a conversation for another podcast, but sure. um, Ray heard you, and <laughs> we'll work on yeah. that. Well, it's the same and thing. there are two people dying to give you advice here on how you can change your Password settings. manager, too. The kids will say, my password's expired. Yeah. Well, you didn't get the three emails that said it was going to expire in 14 days, and then again in seven days, and then again in three days. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I don't really check my mail. It's what but I it, it does add to self sufficiency yeah. because it really is. Yeah. Taking ownership. You have to yeah. over over your experience. Right. And, Absolutely. And it's funny. I've never even thought of that aspect of it, but it fits in with this is this is your choice. You yep. get to yeah. You get to own oh, it. Go get it. So you gotta go get the information. In yeah. The world, maybe with a job, with email, right. or with college and email, and right. I don't think they're switching to Snapchat or no. Um, no, C's not. For, yeah, they're not switching for over, like yeah. messages. Yeah. Maybe some things, but I think email is still going to be around for a while. But sure. I get the same thing at the high school. Mm -hmm. You know, the oh, I yeah, I did get an email about the password, and that was you know yeah. two weeks ago. Of course, yeah. it's long expired. I would say if you are going to go to self-checkout, definitely be up on your settings and insignia. <laughs> One is that you can set checkout limits for each grade. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so my kindergartners can only check out one book, second grade can check out two, and sec or sorry, first grade can check out two, third through fifth can check out um, three at a time and then I have it said that if it's overdue if one of those books is overdue it gives them a message on the on the machine and they can't check out unless I override it which I don't override it unless I know it's a fine that mm -hmm. like we're working on getting back that kind of a thing but you can also set your overdue notices to go out on a fixed day so I mean my kids check out books throughout the week also but I have it the emails go out on Monday at four o'clock. 
But we don't have fixed schedule where my kid, those classes are coming every week, so that'd be an issue for me. But I mean, you can still send an email, like you don't have to just send the email once a month. You can set it to send it weekly. So anybody that has overdues insignia will email them every Monday. Every Monday. I forgot F4. to check in my See, it's last a few F books before I ran out the door today. I know I, I did that too. <laughs> it's like, a oh, it's no. a shift too though because I have kids who literally panic when they get yeah. whether yeah. it's a paper or an email. I've had kids respond to the email one. I'm so sorry. I'll get this in tomorrow. I'm like it's a reminder. Yeah. Right. Come May, that's when it's a problem. Right. <laughs> no, but it does go all back to the self sufficiency and, yeah. and ownership, right? Yeah. Like especially like you know appreciate that you're scaffolding it now at the middle school level. Yeah. Yeah, we're not going to send that overdue notice home to your parent. We're going right. to send it to you, and it's also a teachable moment. Let's look at that email and let's understand how to use it. And well, and I talk to the kids too. Like you've got a really popular book. You know how many kids are waiting for this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you've had it. No guilt there. I renewed it once already, and <laughs> no library just keep guilt. Forgetting, you know. So I'm like, just be thoughtful about that. Uh, that yeah. And you've been telling other your friends and that about it, but you got to get it back for somebody else to have. You know, true, true. So. Okay, ladies, this was really helpful. Um, is there any parting advice you want to say? Anything? Oh, man. I always ask this question, and everybody says no, and then we end I the podcast, a- and then there's this great conversation <laughs> after the podcast is over. Well, I have two things. One is um, we do have books that just that walk out without getting checked out, and I was worried about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and other people in the building were worried about that, but I find that they for the most part, all come back just without having been checked out because the kids are used to bringing their books back. So even if checkout goes wrong, we're still getting the books back. Um, And then the genre-fying is like a whole other conversation perhaps, but as far as kids really understanding, I feel like I've had to do more teaching around genres than I thought I was going to because I understood the genres, but they didn't. So there was a bit of a learning curve and there still is, but we're starting to see kids really embrace it and explore the genres more. Um, but there was a little bit more teaching that I had to do than I expected. Yeah, so you made some assumptions about it and now you've yeah. gone back and reviewed yeah. that. Yeah, that's cool. I think the thing I'm sitting here thinking is I really value having our group. Like, I'm only one person in my building as a librarian, but having our group and shooting something out there and somebody else has done it first and they're always willing to answer questions or share resources or sort of troubleshoot or say what they changed from trying it before. And I value that that's an option because I think sometimes that makes it easier for me to jump in and try something knowing that oh so and so said that they did this because of this like bolting my scanners down so the kids don't pick them up and put them in the other kids spaces <laughs> that was a good tip well and I it would, tying and bolting yes, really good. it yeah. wouldn't even have occurred to me to do self check-in and when that email came through mm-hmm. just a few weeks ago I was like oh this is my next step yeah well I have lost books um at the high school um, I think the last year the first year I did it we lost like 7 to 10 which is not that much I don't think um, <laughs> <laughs> and I, I have I have um, I have That's gone crazy. a little crazy sometimes like when I know that there was a book that we had that book and it was on the shelf oh, yeah. I, show, mm-hmm. I saw it and where someone did not check it out correctly and so what I usually do is I go in and make that book missing and that when it's checked in, um, that corrects it 
mm-hmm. and it's back on the shelf just so that someone else doesn't come in and say I want the maze runner and it says that it's on the shelf but mm-hmm. I can't find it and we can't find yeah. it anywhere and so I will change it to missing um, just so that someone doesn't come in behind and you know and, but and then what what shows to me sometimes with the things that they're demanding is maybe I need to perhaps get two or three more copies of that book mm-hmm. which um, because it's super popular and they're still reading it and checking mm-hmm. it out but yeah um, I you are gonna lose some books or they're not gonna be checked out correctly but I don't feel like they want to you know they want to bring them back and mm-hmm. when it has the barcode on it and sometimes I go through the lost and found mm-hmm. in the and school. teachers classrooms and, I find yeah. them on their personal mm-hmm. or their and bottom of lockers so, right. or back yeah. 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 absolutely but you know in all honesty Mara I'm sitting here thinking while you're talking I lost books when I had security gates too right right yeah so and I had teachers that would bring them back and say you weren't here to check out but I took this and I want yeah. to return it <laughs> right so, so I mean yeah. I don't so know that it's happens. any different than when we mm-hmm. I always used to tell kids that, you know, books are magical. They always find their way home. Yeah. I mean, I just very rarely, I mean, I, I'm I'm really shocked that it's 7 to 10. Because, you know, we've heard from some high school librarians that they've lost, like, hundreds of books. Oh, no. And they don't have self-checkout, and they've had lost hundreds of books. So that's really um, that's really amazing. That's really I had one sent back from a flight attendant once. So they do have their way back. They're magical. They always find their way home somehow. So. Yep. All right, ladies, this was really great. Thank you so much for your time today. Um, I always, always tell my guests, I feel like I have a talk show. I always <laughs> tell my guests, there are no swag bags, but um, as soon as I get it posted, I'll let you know. Thank you. And uh, appreciate your time again. Thanks. Sure. Thank, Thank you. you.